Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, and I am speaking to you from Southern California, where uh, nearly summer weather has arrived with a bang. So it's like 80, 90 degrees here, uh, hot, dry. Ah, I'm Stephen G. Fullwood. I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project. I'm coming to you from Harlem. It's been raining all day, but I think it's clearing up now, but it's still kind of a little 40-ish, a little cold, but it's fun. And I'm Seth Rodney. I am a senior editor at the Hyperallergic blog, and I'm all about the Benjamins, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's how I know you. Seth is all about the That's Benjamins. how the women know him, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. And we're continuing our COVID-19 uh, topic, which, you know, I, I probably at some point will transition away from it before the pandemic is over because, you know, the pandemic will always be with us. Mm. The plague will always be here, mm. as, you know, Camus said. So, mm. um, wow. it, so you know, but for right now, we're, we're still talking about it. You know, one of the things uh, I just thought it would be interesting to talk about some of the things that have just occurred to us during the week or, you know, uh, challenges that we've had around the pandemic that aren't necessarily related immediately to the sickness or like economic distress or whatever. Mm -hmm. One of the things that is I've noticed, it's not that I haven't noticed it in other contexts, but I've certainly noticed it more recently, is the the seam upon which you can stand without falling into an ideological straitjacket is thinner and thinner and thinner. And mm. so I have relatives that are very progressive and their politics are very progressive. And I noticed that if I share information with them that calls the severity of the pan of the actual disease into question, mm -hmm. not the pandemic, but, you know, research is like all over the place on this. So mm -hmm. I know that in there's that little town in Germany with about a thousand people. They tested 80% of them, about 15% presented with anti antibodies. And based on that study, it looks like the mortality rate's about 0.37%. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not an epidemiologist, not, you know, like all I do is I read the information and, you know, like, and sort of take it in. Mm -hmm. There, There's research that shows that it's around 1%, under 1%. There's research that shows that it's more than that. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, ultimately, I hope that it's below 1% because that means fewer people dying. are dying, right. which mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. a great thing. And I don't think that if it turns out to be 0. 0.7 or 0. 0.8% or whatever, that means that we overreacted because seven times more people dying from the flu in a year is a terrible, awful thing right. to try to avoid and come to grips with as a society. But that's a long preamble to say, I notice resistance to mm -hmm. that information. Mm -hmm. There's a, like, people don't actually want, not not people, There there is a, there is a, a political stripe on the progressive side that mirrors in in a in a mirrored twin kind of way the dismissive uh, on on the right which on the more conservative on, on the right which is they don't like things have to be really bad it can't just be bad right it can't just be that we, that things mm -hmm, are like mm -hmm. are there's a problem they don't actually want 
to acknowledge the possibility that COVID-19 is not as deadly for mm. the general populace. Mm-hmm. Now, again, to be clear, I am making zero predictions about that. I have no idea whether Mm -hmm. that is the case or not. It might turn out to be way worse. But it's disconcerting and disheartening to see intelligent people that are politically engaged allowing their politics to so heavily influence the facts as they're being established, right? Because we don't know what they are yet. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That was that, that was something that occurred to me this week. I thought I'd throw it out to you guys and see what you thought or if that comports with your experience or if you think I'm just, you know, fucking nuts or... Well, I definitely think you're nuts, but go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Seth. <laughs> chop, chop. <laughs> um, where, did you have a further point, Stephen? Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. I was just checking in, baby. All right. So okay. I want to say that that seems to me to just really exacerbate a circumstance that we were already living with. Mm-hmm. It just it, It's the case in the United States of America, mm-hmm. precisely because essentially the kitchen is so hot that people either become acclimated to that or they, and they, and then they'll say, oh, it's the, you know, it's the, it's the best of all possible worlds. Or there'll be other people who leave in, in the kitchen and to carry on the analogy and will point at it and say, no, it's way too hot in there. It's crazy. Like, what, if, mm-hmm. what, are, you, what are you doing? This, this is not mm-hmm. the way to live. And I, and I feel that mm-hmm. that is the, I mean, we've said it before and you've said it really well, Travis, um, that our, con- our conception of racial difference and how we deal with it is the deep wound, is the wound that will not heal in mm. the mm-hmm. psyche of our culture. Mm. That's the thing that doesn't necessarily determine everything else, but it colors, it inflects everything. Mm. It informs. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the differences between the worldviews that generally break down along the binary of progressive or conservative are just more starkly rendered now. Mm-hmm. And more so because life is actually hanging, hanging in the balance. It, 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 is, mm-hmm. it is, in many cases, literally hanging in the balance. So I kind of want to say, I'm doing a shrug, shrugging my shoulders thing, because I want to say, yeah, that's, that's the water we swim in, right? That's That's... Yeah. That's and not surprising to you, it seems. I no. mean, it's sort of like you know, just sort of. No. Yeah, of course, this is where we're at with it. No, yeah. no. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I yeah. look at the, I look at just the news in the past week about the passing the four hundred eighty-four billion dollar um, uh, stimulus. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. a, a other leg of a stimulus um, effort, mm-hmm. which is supposed to supposed to go towards small businesses. While mm-hmm. the previous effort was ostensibly supposed to buttress small businesses as well, but a lot of big corporations like Shake Shacks apparently just hoovered up the money. Like mm-hmm. they, apparently, Shake Shack wanted and needs to give back or promises to give back ten million dollars, and Harvard yeah, is supposed. I think twenty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I might have that flip. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's the breakdown of our of our politics. Like supply siders, basically um, people who. Um, by the rhetoric of some conservatives, are job creators, right? They sh- 
they, uh, by their lights, should deservedly get these funds to to uh, keep their yeah. businesses running. On the other side, um, what about the mom and pops? Um, what about the small businesses that have only between that have less than twenty five employees? Like, what well, about that's them? Us. Right. That's us. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's literally that's, us. That's hyperlegion. <laughs> right. Right. So, so <laughs> mm-hmm. the politics are, or rather, the virus has just made those differences in worldview, economic, social worldview, all the more apparent. Uh, mm. uh, yeah, this is who we are. Yeah. Ugh, it sounds like a terrible TV show on, on NBC. This is who we are. Mm. Instead of this is <laughs> us. It's like, yeah, yeah. I know this is yeah. us. I f- <laughs> feel as if um, mm. that the starkly rendered part of it uh, arrives in its way. So while you're getting your ass beat over here, somebody's over here trying to beat your ass. Mm-hmm. And this is the information you're getting. So you have to figure out quickly, does this make sense? Does I mean, are the people in Ohio who are storming and and you know, and other folks who are carrying mm-hmm. guns mm-hmm. to reopen whatever city or state it's in? Like, I look at them and I go, I, I, I think you're hypocrites because you also have masks on. <laughs> mm. And so I feel like that there's some there's a strange surrealness right now where mm-hmm. things aren't that starkly more starkly rendered to people who live in precarity. Precarity mm. takes care of that, you know. They know mm. that it's the oh my god, what are we going to do about the mom and pops? Well, it, that sounds like 2008. That sounds mm. like a number of other times where there was some stimulus package or some something going to help people kind of get their lives back together, and it doesn't happen. So when I heard that the money had disappeared almost already from the first kind of stimulus thing, I said that makes sense. That makes mm. sense because all these people are going, what are they, you know what we need to do, Microsoft? <laughs> we need to make sure that the mom and pops get their part of it. <laughs> we right. can survive. That's never, I don't, I mean, Shake Shack, I believe, t- returned that money, didn't they? They did. They did. And But, Har- so they, but Harvard didn't. And, right. and <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, so that's absolutely. So these interesting yeah. moments where you go. Harvard with its $40 billion endowment. I think it's 46.1, isn't it? Something like is that? Is it 46? Okay, so 46.1. I think so. Not to parse the bill. No, no, I appreciate the correction. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, come on. I mean, so we, you know, Molly, my wife, says this all the time, you know, that so we are literally like an in the trench, you know, small business mm-hmm. and, you know, we're under a million, you know, we've got close to 20 employees and we are the side that both, both sides of the political divide want to use as their tchotchke right. for how they're, how, how they're actually for their pro business, right. right? They're, 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 oh, and they're, or they're pro, they're, yeah. they're pro liberty right, right, right. for the Republicans. Cause everyone knows Republicans are, are pro big business, but mm-hmm. so they all want to talk about that, but yet we are in the midst of what Steven just said, which is just that, you know, that, that money is not there. It doesn't, it's not there. So to, to I mean, for us at least. So mm-hmm. you, I know we've talked previous uh, podcasts about, I, I knew from the beginning that there's there are different cues at the bank for where to go to get your your money and mm-hmm. to get your mm-hmm. stimulus money or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I also know that there's just large scale incompetence. Like it's not necessarily mm-hmm. all. It's not it's not necessarily just about malfeasance. It's mm-hmm. just about 
they're big and sloppy and bad at it. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. it's just not, you know, like a perfect example is Wells Fargo took extra days, I'll make this very quick, to prepare its application for the PPP loan. Mm -hmm. And in the application, which is roughly like three pages, left off a very critical question about when your business was established. And the application (laughs) assumed... The application assumed that you had an entire t- years of, uh, of payroll for 2019, but the PPP loan is designed also for businesses that were established in 2020, but mm. had paid payroll. So if you were one of these businesses, there was no way for you to fill out this application. Like mm-hmm. that's a multi, multi-billion dollar industry mm. that couldn't get it together to create a solid application. Just mm-hmm. right. Just the application, like, right. The, from bottom. Yeah, I mean, that's just, yeah. I mean, Face. so it's. You know, sometimes, you know, I, I remember I had a political science professor that I really liked when I was an undergrad. And a big topic or a hot topic in the 80s, I guess, was uh, uh, was around the efficiency of bureaucracies, like how efficient are bureaucracies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was a, this was kind of a, around, you know, coming out of the Reagan years, you know, big governments, you know, mm-hmm. the scariest words or Reagan's thing, the scariest words are, you know, I'm from the government and I'm here to help or something like that. Yeah. So this, <laughs> yes. this kind of like rabid anti-government, government inefficiency. So there's a lot of research about this then. I don't know if it's continued on since then. It's probably moved on at this point, but at least in, in, uh, in political science, it turns out that the real problem with efficiency is just size. It has nothing to do with the government. Right. So the larger an institution becomes, the less efficient it becomes. Right. And the federal government is actually pretty well run for as for as large as it is, mm-hmm. because you know mm-hmm. it is by far and away the largest employer in mm-hmm. the, um, in the world. I, I mean, at least it was at that time. I don't know about maybe with China, that's different now. But mm-hmm. um, so it's just that large scale institutions are incredibly inefficient, right. and and just you end up getting you know just crunched underfoot mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. you know these these massive institutions so. or, or you end up with people who are deceased getting stimulus checks in the mail, <laughs> right or right, right, but, right, but, right but that makes perfect sense to me because <laughs> having worked in an office environment in which i've had to mail had mass mailings out to people um mm-hmm. uh back in the 90s i recall and I remember thinking about this when I when I when I see these mailing lists, you know, you know, cl- people's names clearly spelled wrong, um, yeah. addresses that were just had different, had some had things transposed so they weren't quite right, and you knew that if they it was printed this way, it would never get to whoever it was intended to get to. And I thought mm-hmm. one of the things that bureaucracies tend not to do is they tend not to hire people to even those things out to just go through records. And procedures and just make sure mm-hmm. that people, that they look the way they need to look. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's always go, go, go to get the next thing done. So mm-hmm. that doesn't surprise me at all. And I, and I agree with that, uh, that conclusion that it's not a consequence. Inefficiency isn't a consequence of the particular entity. There's no sort of inherent problem with government. There's a, there's a problems come along with uh, the scale at which they have to operate. Mm-hmm. I would say also the um, bureaucracies can't really look at themselves. Right. Right. So That's right. That's I was right. with an institution for 19 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, the New Public Library. Let's say. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do anything to me now, whoever is listening. And right. so um, <laughs> I was a part of maybe 
three or four. We're going to do an overhaul here. We want to find out what the um, the staff thinks about this, that, and the other. And so they get all the, um, what do you call it? They hire, um, a, hire some agency. We do a questionnaire. We have a few meetings. Nothing changes. Right. Mm. So by the time the second or third one came along, I was like, I'm not participating. What's the point of this? This mm, is just yeah. acting as if we want to be better. We really don't want to be better. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We don't want to be better. And, and honestly, I mean, this is why, you know, this is why democracy is an absolute essential in a complex society mm-hmm. because you have to okay. be accountable to someone. Mm-hmm. And, and this is, this is, you know, I don't often, argue for this but this is the failure i would argue of big capital ultimately is at its bottom bureaucratic complexity because mm-hmm. you can't become you, you can't be answerable to the dollar because dollars accumulate unevenly there's no way there's Absolutely. there is no way if you have an actual representative i mean there is a way and it's called disenfranchisement and that's what the republican party is primarily about right now but but if you have if your goal is a a a representative democracy in which all of your citizens are enfranchised it is much more difficult to accumulate a disproportional influence than Absolutely. it is by accum- accumulating dollars because and money, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. M- money is a much more easily, it's a much easier thing to hoard than people, and so just by again taking taking the the perniciousness out of it and just making it about baseline inefficiency and kind of like just a dollop of selfishness, which is just, you know, how most things operate. You mm-hmm. end up with vast inequalities when you're talking about the accumulations of money. Democracy is so messy and so ugly and so like barely tenable that it is our best protection against the kind of abuses that you see in more authoritarian or in societies that allow unfit, unfettered capital, so un, unfettered capitalism. So all I'm, I'm thinking about is the film Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe, mm. Galaxy, mm-hmm. Galaxy, the Galaxy, yeah. and how, thank mm-hmm. you, and how all of those um, that scene where the, the um, this particular piece of paper needs to be. No, you've got to fill out this form to get to that form to bring to this form. <laughs> it just it cracked me right. up, but it was like so. Not sad, but just like, yeah, I know. Trust me, I know. Trust me. Anyone who's worked in an office, besides mm. names being misspelled, it's for me, it's the it's I'm mostly insulted by the idea that these institutions at time want to be better and so they perform getting mm. better, but that's not what's happening. What actually happens yeah. is more disenfra- disenfranchisement where you were talking, I was thinking of the employee as being uh, like a, a towel that's soaked and soaked. They just want to get everything out of that employee mm. when <laughs> when there are demonstrated other ways of management that are mm. definitely much more equitable across the board when you have more an investment. So people go, why can't we get people excited about something? Well, <laughs> they don't give a fuck because you don't give a fuck. <laughs> Mm, and then you say you give a fuck but you don't give a fuck so Mm, stop so no one's fooled and then everybody goes home sad so like what's the point of this yeah Yeah. well well this is one of the things that it's related to it's it's not exactly the point that you all are making but i'm Mm -hmm. reminded of a conversation i had with my secondary phd supervisor gordon five around the work of robert king merton one of the things, Merton did a lot for sociology. Um, I, I will not remember the most 
salient points, but he introduced terms like um, self-fulfilling prophecy. And I mm. think he may have also introduced dysfunction, but I'm oh, not sure about that. But there's some, some gems in the sociological mm-hmm. uh, 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 canon. One of the things that he wrote about a bit and he was really concerned about is enemy, uh, essentially normlessness. Uh, His argument around it, I'm going to do my best to to encapsulate, goes something like the problem with normlessness, and this is really well exemplified by by Agent Orange, right? Like Trump skews all over the place with rules and regulations and orders and reverses himself constantly and sows discord and chaos in his own administration at all times. And what it does is it it, it essentially normalizes bad behavior so that mm-hmm. people become less and less accountable to anyone. Sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it makes it, it makes it harder for subsequent administrations or subsequent hires, subsequent employees to make sense of the system because normlessness slowly, right? Mm-hmm. Has eroded the, the efficient and fair procedures by which the system could operate. So enemy mm-hmm. is a real yes. danger. Oh yeah. Right? Like normlessness is a mm-hmm. real danger. I mean the, and and I and I was thinking about this the other day when when, when well I mean he's done he's made so many of these kinds of moves but the thing what, what, one of the things that he he did last year which um I found really disturbing was the house had some disagreement gone going with him and they had arranged a flight to Europe to meet with some people to talk about some, I think a trade. This is Pelosi's. Issue. Yeah. This is yeah, Pelosi's. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And he just mm-hmm. up and canceled their flight. He just yeah. like arbitrarily just grounded them and said, no, you're not going anywhere in a fit of peak, right? In a fit of, Juvenile uh, uh, revenge, petulance, yeah, yeah petulance. Just, yeah. <laughs> and I just and I and I and I and I thought. I mean, there's been a, a, a again. There's a long cascade of these things, but his arbitrary executive uh, assertion of executive power over Congress, which is supposed to check him, right? Right. Is a, is one of those moments where normlessness begins to erode. What is actually one of the foundations of this democracy, right? If he's unchecked by Congress, who the hell's going to check him? Yeah, mm-hmm. the problem. I mean, it's exactly <laughs> to to build on what you're saying. It's the institutional loyalty and institutional affiliations have dramatically eroded in the last twenty years. So mm-hmm. it's not you know. Congressmen, senators don't feel a strong sense of loyalty to the Congress or to the Senate. They feel a sense of loyalty to whatever party they have to a party, mm-hmm. right? And I think I, I do agree. You know, I uh, 
I probably agree with Paul Krugman less than when I was younger, but there are things on which I think he is absolutely spot on. I mean, not calling into question his economic analysis, you know, the Nobel Prize probably <laughs> I, I would take what he says yeah. at mm, face value yeah. when it comes to that stuff. But, mm. you know, his I think he is right. And while I do not think and what I think he is right about is this, the real problem and, and I I always hesitate. I know I'm cutting myself off. I, I hesitate to say it because it does. It is not where Come I on, want to say go. Say it. Say it. Uh, say no, no. it. Say yeah, it. I, I'm going to. Chuck. 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 I mean, the real problem is the Republican Party. Uh, that's the real problem right now. I, I okay. Mean, what is the, the, the real problem? The Republican Party is the actual problem. Mm-hmm. Right I mean, th- yeah, I that is the real problem. I don't, and and Agreed. I know, and I I understand Stephen's like frustration with my with my hedging, but it is it's a cornerstone of who I am intellectually that I I do not want to fall into an ideological box. Um, I don't want. Oh to no, be I understand. Of, I'm not really frustrated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just feel like you have some. I like yeah. I like the tensions. I like the complications and the nuances of what you're saying. And I I, I definitely feel like at times you might think you're thinking for other people. <laughs> and yeah. so well, you, I so do, do I, I can be more yeah. controversial about that. I I am thinking for other people. We all are. That's our yeah. job. No, I, I agree mean, with that. The, to that that is that's degree. that's an intellectual's. I, and so I I think that too. I I agree. It can't you can't go too far with it. But I do think that's an intellectual's mm-hmm. job because we have the time and space and mm-hmm. the privilege to be able – I don't mm-hmm, mean to mm-hmm, impose mm-hmm. our thoughts, but to think out loud for people. I mean, I think that that's important. Mm-hmm. And I do I think – I agree. I agree. Yeah, I know you do. I know. I know. But I do think it's the Republican Party. I really do. Like I, I think it may not mm-hmm. be every member of the Republican Party. Of course, that's not right. true. It may not be every Republican voter. Of course, that's not true. But right now, the institutional – the institutionally entrenched wing of the Republican Party – has to go. And I'm actually like, it's moved me in a lot of ways. I'm in favor of getting rid of the filibuster and I'm in favor of putting more seats on the Supreme Court. Like, Absolutely. I just, I, th- I think, Ab- I think, and that is, that's, that is something I would not have mm-hmm. argued for even six months ago. Like I very, okay. I think you have to be very careful with institutional changes, but at okay. this point, I think that from their point of view, from institutionalized Republicans, again, not talking about voters necessarily, not talking about all members of the party, for institutionalized Republicans, it is a war. And uh, yeah. it's a war that, that, that I don't want to lose. And, mm-hmm. and I Ooh. am in favor yeah. of, I'm in favor of, of packing the court. I'm in favor of, of blowing up the filibuster. Let it just let it go. Let's see what happens. If the if the country is if that if if you remove that and the country can't rise to the occasion, then America, mm-hmm. the idea needs to continue forward into the future and not necessarily exist within these borders anymore. Mm-hmm. America as an idea, I believe in without reservation, uh, but in practice, right now we are in crisis. But that crisis is a oh sorry you want to go no ahead? no go ahead go 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 I was just thinking yeah for me the crisis is about identity fundamentally the way that we what we say we are versus what we do and mm. so there's a piece in the Atlantic called some of the most visible Christians in America are failing the corona test coronavirus mm. test mm. and the pull quote that I pulled from it and put it 
and placed on my Facebook page is, as Ben Howe, the author of The Immoral Majority, Why Evangelicals Chose Political Power Over Christian Values, mm. he observes that the more he fights, the more they feel justified, like he's our hero because we needed someone to do this for us. Trump's appeal is not judges. It's not policies. It's that he's a shit talker and a fighter and tells it like it is. That's what they like. They love the meanest mm-hmm. parts of him. So much for turning the other cheek and loving your enemies. And I was like, that just struck me as being something that we've talked about on the podcast, but also, you know, outside of the podcast around what people say they are versus what they do. Mm. It's like, I see what you're doing. So you can pray to God all you want, but I'm not sure what, you know, cherry picking in the Bible, you know, people, that whole notion of I'm covered in the blood of Jesus and I'm going to church and the pastor is, you know, encouraging people to gather, even though this thing is contagious. Mm. Like I think about the Mm. way people sort of like putting their chips out. And it just, I think it's a crisis of identity. You're not doing what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And then you're expecting us, even with Trump, you know, d- just during the press conferences, he'll say something, someone will repeat it back, and he goes, I didn't say that. <laughs> it could be that quick <laughs> of a nonsense moment. It's like, oh, oh, so what? <laughs> and so but, we're approaching him with logic. And I, I'm just like, I'm not sure. Yeah, anyway, go ahead. I'm, I'm still, um, yeah. I'm still processing. So do you think then, Stephen, that the crisis of identity is a crisis that comes out of – so there's two, there are two ways I, I think I can think about this now. Is it, is it a mm. crisis that comes out of a fundamental disassociation within the self? In other words, are people mm. lying to themselves? Are they saying, hey – I'm a Christian. I'm going to identify with this. I'm going to do, I'm going to engage in certain rituals, going to church, la, la, la. Um, but I'm also going to do that. I'm going to support a racist, uh, misogynist, hate mongering political agent because that in, in my heart of hearts, that's actually what it really, really what I want. I want to dominate all the women, all the Muslims and Jews and all the black people. Like, is that, is that a, is there, is there a, is the crisis in, in, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Is there a crisis in like people like not being able to admit to themselves what they actually want, or is it a crisis that's more people lying to other people? Like, so they know what they want, but they're like, okay, the only way that I can sell this is if mm-hmm. I say that I'm a Christian, I'll come out as an evangelical, and blah, 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 blah. so they're just they know they like deep. They go home and they're like, oh, you know, I'm actually like I, I really fucking hate those black people, and I really hate those gays. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, when people ask me, I'll say, oh, you know, I'm a Christian. I love everyone. So that's, that's my question. I think it's all of it. I don't really have a, a full answer for that because there's no way for me to know. But what I think is obviously there's some cognitive dissonance, mm-hmm. you know, when you're talking with people about mm-hmm. what they think, you know, we want everyone to eat except for those people. I mean, folks, we love it when a racist or somebody who's a sexist comes out and actually says what they mean. Because right. at the very least, you know, in relationship to what you are, but with someone who's claiming an identity they know other people value. I was laying in bed, mm. writing down the phrase over and over again and finding new ways to kind of play with it called, you need Jesus. And it's like, well, that's what colonial folks have said <laughs> to mm-hmm. go in other places. Mm-hmm. And this is our stuff. Mm-hmm. Or you need Jesus. And it's a way to sort of like, you know, you need to get your act together. And mm-hmm. it's like, which act are we talking about here? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so... I feel like our language fails us or we're not, we don't take it, we don't have a lot of fidelity to it, even though it's mutable and it's always changing. Definitely feel like it's a lot of things. And I feel like I know people who call themselves Christian who don't act Christian in the way that I think Christian Christians should act. 
right? Mm. But then I think my version of it is you you don't hurt people. You're not talking about people behind their back. You're actually trying to live in the world where you're helping other people, right? Mm. And you're just not trying to impose your dogma on their, you know, mm. their brains or whatever. Because I get, I turn red. I don't know if I really turn red, but I get really frustrated when I'm listening to someone talk about something. I'm going, but you're the meanest person ever. I, you were so mean mm-hmm. to that woman over there. Mm-hmm. And then you claim everyone needs to be kind. I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. really? Let's roll the tape. Roll the motherfucking tape. Yeah. You know, and I'm trying not to hit on the table. <laughs> I'm trying to be like, watch, watch your hands. Let me see your hands. I'm my own cop. But it's very... <laughs> I just wonder, I I think there's something deep down. I used to believe that people had an emotional intelligence that guided their intellectual choices. mm -hmm. But I don't know if all those things are, those synapses are connected. I don't think Mm -hmm. so. I think, I think, you know, to go to to also try and answer Seth's question, I think Mm -hmm. it is much more the latter. I think that, mm. and this is where I would come back to like our job as intellectuals in kind of the a dereliction of our duty is that I do think that opportunists take advantage of these ideas mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. use it to accumulate things for themselves or their small enfranchised group. I don't, I mean, I, I would cite history as an example of why most people aren't that way. I mean, the reason the civil rights movement mm. worked as well as it did, I don't mean that it worked so well. I mean that even the the reason that it worked at all was because of a free press and because people started getting newspapers on their doorsteps in like in Arizona and Phoenix and all these other places and going like, holy shit, what are they doing to these kids? What are right. they doing to these like these right. mothers? Like that's right. what that's why the civil rights movement worked, because most right. people don't want to see other people get the shit kicked out of them. Right. Well, because that, they know they're just, next. Because no, yeah, you're I, next. So, it's, <laughs> so, but actually, so, but that in fact is what is most amazing and wonderful about being a pro-social primate is that, mm-hmm. yes, you are able to understand that the violence that is projected at another body is in fact violence against your own body. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that, that, Absolutely. That is a wonderful, incredible mm-hmm amazing thing that is a trick of evolutionary history that mm. that I think democracy at if it's functioning well can protect us against and that is precisely why I think the why I call out the entrenched members of the Republican Party those mm. motherfuckers need to go they have to go like we have to win that battle and that means that people like us need to show up for the fight and not pick at like the stupid bits of the debate that make us feel good about, you know, our whatever our identities happen. Well to be, said. Whatever we happen to be well thinking. said. Well said. You so want anyway, nuance, I, I, but you want to show up for the larger pieces. Yes. So, so, but you so, don't so, want to. But I, I have a problem with smoothing those other parts over those those um, the tensions within the party. I think they're important to help us grow. I agree. I agree. I totally uh, But I know agree. what you're Absolutely. saying, though. Yeah. But the, but the little things you have to like. They're not really little things because they're big things, meaning that they do affect how people organize and mobilize. They do. Right. You know, and so, so anyhow. So what are the big things you're talking about, Travis? Like entrenched poverty, for one. You know, like, you know, access to to support systems and that those kind of like wraparound services for mm-hmm. uh, for disenfranchised and poor kids in mm-hmm. in rural and in, in rural areas and cities like you, mm-hmm. you, so we've got all these fancy opinions about mm-hmm. poverty and homelessness or whatever but you know 
have you volunteered at a soup kitchen? Have you given any money to mm-hmm, an NGO mm-hmm. in your neighborhood? Have you mm-hmm. what have have you canvassed for you know for politicians that are advocating for these groups? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the actual work, right? Other than just over Chianti and you know pasta, <laughs> like what what have you actually what have we actually done to help these people? That's mm-hmm. a very I think, but that's turning the lens on yourself in a very, very uncomfortable way. Mm. And rather, and what I love about the armchair um, politician or the person who's saying these things, I mm. complete. I mean, compl- I throw my lot in with you all with that, Travis, because you just can't say you believe something. It's really, it's like saying you love somebody. It's really, what are mm-hmm. you doing to show that love? How do you, mm-hmm. how do you, how Absolutely. do you do that? And also, mm-hmm. it what people do is, I was remember there are two friends of mine that lived with me once, and they would. They would um, complain about the state of the world all night long. I'd go to bed. I'd, the next night, be the same thing. And one night, we were all talking. I said, there are different ways to organize. and There are different ways to do things. Maybe your thing is this, or maybe your thing is that. Maybe you don't need to be out in the streets, but your vote counts. This counts. This counts. Rather, I think that mm. there needs to be constantly blasted at people that they can do things that mm. will help the world be a better world, mm. rather than to think that there are only one or two ways to change things. Mm. Right, because we rely mm. on the government as it, what they do is going to make us do these things, and it's like, well, you're a part of the government. You vote. Mm. You can, you know, mobilize. You can um, do all kinds of things. I mean, the electoral college needs to go. We need more seats on the Supreme Court. I agree. We need limited mm. terms. We need a lot of different things that you can advocate for, instead mm. of feeling powerless and feeling as if life mm. and reality is happening to you. And so, absolutely, yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely with that empowerment. You know, that sense of empowerment, and largely the disenfranchisement is, it's, it comes at you in various insidious ways. You know, and it takes your attention away, and it, you know, you, you got to fight for that. You got to fight. Yeah, for I mean, not to, to Amazon, Whole Foods, they're using, they're using thermal trackers in stores to to keep track of people trying to organize unions in Whole Foods stores. Yeah, check that Am- out. Mm-hmm. Am- Je- Jeff Bezos, who owns the Washington Post, right, his company is using thermal trackers to find out if you are planning to organize a labor movement. Holy Ooh. shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead, that's, Seth, you're about to say something. That's real. Mm-hmm. No, just today, I think that uh, we are probably coming to the close of this, yeah, 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 yeah. this particular <laughs> broadcast. Yeah, we went a little over. We went a little over. No, it's fine. I think it's got to a place of real conviction. And I, mm-hmm. I have to tell you, that stays with me. What you've said about I, what you've said about volunteering, about advocacy, about uh, financial support. I think that. When I was younger, I was much more willing to do that, and now I'm I'm not. My definitely my volunteerism has gotten more abstract, and I mean I've, mm-hmm. I I do do things like you know I talk to students at colleges and universities and um, serve on boards and blah blah blah. But yeah, the real sort of boots on the ground kind of direct mm-hmm. action kind of thing, uh, I've never really felt comfortable with. And mm-hmm. as I've gotten older, I do less of that. But mm. I also know that there's a way for me in which the civic spirit is that I have. I have more access to it when I'm in a place in my life 
where I feel basically I just need to move. Basically, I need to mm -hmm. be in a neighborhood where I feel like I want to be among these people. And if I mm -hmm. feel that, I think that the rest of me will show up to do Interesting. That kind of volunteer work. It becomes easier to be more generous with your time and, and resources. Wow. I I don't I don't want to overframe what I uh, said and I to be cognizant of time. I do mm. think that there is Stephen kind of hinted at this. Of course there are a variety of ways to engage in mm -hmm. in the fight. I mean honestly I don't mean it I don't feel a tremendous amount of I don't get self-inflated about it, but that's what this podcast is for, mm -hmm. right? I mean, mm -hmm. I could just call, I mean, Stephen, I wouldn't have known except for the podcast, but at this point, like, I could just call and talk to you guys and mm -hmm. not have someone edit the podcast and put this together and show up every week. Like, it's a very tiny thing. It's not super, like, significant. It doesn't give anyone a lunch or a sandwich or, you know, give them a, you know, a textbook or something like that. But I do think it's a thing. And mm -hmm. and I approach it as a thing, a mm -hmm. thing that, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. I am trying to do, that we are trying to do, to, you know, move yeah, the needle, put our shoulder, shoulder to the wheel. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. I'm in. And All right, my friends. <laughs> Thank you for keeping us on time or not on time, but close. <laughs> uh, and I'll talk. To, I'll talk to you guys next week. Okay. All right, next week. Take, Take care. care.